Hey, this is Thomas Ian Griffith. I played Terry Silver in Karate Kid 3, and I'm now part of an incredible show, Cobra Kai. So to all you fans out there, it's a pleasure to be talking to you. Welcome back to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion, and I am Peter. I am Brianna. And today, you guys, I know we have been telling you guys that we are going to work on another episode review, but we felt that you guys would probably very much like this interview. I really liked this interview. It was fantastic. I mean, have you heard any other interviews with one Thomas Ian Griffith? Absolutely not. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously you guys heard him open up the episode. So that's that's our amazing guest, amazing stories. We talked about Karate Kid 3 and then some. Um, mm-hmm. Found out uh, an improvised uh, scene or moment, rather, uh, in, in one of the iconic scenes. Um, yeah, just obviously we could have talked his ear off. Um Oh yeah, heard heard a lot about one of those um, mysteriously um, non-existent true Hollywood romances that is standing the test of time. Yeah, and that's like that was also a story I kind of want to maybe not get more into, but just I, I want to hear that they've been together for so long, him and Mary, and I even wanted to kind of do the whole thing like, uh, so she's a fan of like. Um, kid baddies right because she also starred alongside Gigi okamoto in uh johnny tsunami oh i see i didn't even know that we didn't touch that at all yeah yeah but uh it's you know like i i ask questions based on the flow of our conversations so you know i i wanted to talk so much like uh i i actually had like another question to ask at the very end but the but your question and his answer that was like the perfect end you know so i was like well i'm not going to ask now because it would just it would kind of just you know it wouldn't flow right and it it, it just it would have felt weird um but you know he, he's done so much um mm-hmm. you know we talk about some of the um, amazing actors he has uh, worked with um some some you know fantastic directors as well i i was very curious like i also wanted to know if he's ever considered directing you know cuz he has written um you know so many films um which also for you fans of of Thomas, uh, he, uh, some of his movies are available on YouTube. Some are actually pretty good quality. Some are VHS transfers, as you would find on YouTube. But some of those movies are out there. Uh, yeah, and and I know when we interviewed uh, John and Josh, they um, were talking about him and uh, described him as a true Renaissance man. And you look at his IMDb, and it's actor, writer, producer. Uh, soundtrack he's a musician yeah opera he, he's, he sings and he yeah it, it's just there's nothing this man can't do including getting positive feedback from james earl jones right so enough of that because i'm sure you guys would rather hear him tell these stories so yes. this is our conversation with thomasine griffith 
Okay, so uh, Thomas, thank you so much for giving me this amazing opportunity to uh, speak with you and uh, hear some of your um, you know experiences uh, on other projects, including the Credit Kid Part Three. My pleasure. Now, did you uh, grow up in Connecticut or just somewhere uh, on the, the Northeast there? Yeah, I grew up on the East Coast. I grew up in Connecticut. Um, went to school there and was doing uh, went to, uh, college in Massachusetts and then was cast in a show between sophomore and junior year uh, that brought me to New York. So I transferred to um, NYU and uh, went to school there and did a show at night for about the first year of uh, working in New York, which was a great way to start. Now, when did you um, get into martial arts? Because I, I know you also um, uh, got into opera. So you sing, you you do martial arts, uh, you, a man of many talents, uh, matter of fact. I got into the martial arts young. Um, I went to like a, a local Kenpo school for a while, and uh, it was sort of a, a way to keep me out of trouble. And, and then um, I ran into a kid... Uh, um, who was, was a Taekwondo artist. And I saw him throw this, you know, an amazing spinning hook kick. And I was like, wow, what was that? Uh, he says, well, come with me, I'll show you. So he took me to uh, the North End of Hartford where um, there was this very, very traditional Taekwondo school. Um, and the instructors and the masters spoke very little English, but they were just incredible teachers. And uh, and I begged my parents to say, you know, please let me go there. So I started just, you know, right before high school there. And, and then, you know, it was my life through high school. It was my sport through high school. I just loved it, you know, and it gave me a, um, a sense of purpose and a place to go after school. And um, like I said, I, I, I owe so much to the whole training and the whole world to it that I think taught me so many things that I still, you know, value in my life today. Well, when you when you were younger, what kind of frame um, did you have? Were you shorter when you were younger, or were you always tall? No, I was just you know um, I was always you know kind of tall, but I was just chunky. You know, never grew into my body. It wasn't until uh, like eighth grade, I think, like around eighth grade, I just shot up and um, and sort of like, oh, okay, this is what I'm capable of doing. You know, um, I loved. Like I said, you know, um, any of the, uh, you know, I followed boxing and karate and wrestling. I, I loved all that stuff. And, um, but once I found Taekwondo, it, it was just like, this felt like it was a part of me because of my, I could use my, my height and my reach. And it was more speed based because I was like thin as a rail growing up. Um, <laughs> so um, I just fell in love with it. So, Throughout school, when did you decide to to get in theater? Because I know that you were also on Broadway. It was um, actually um, I was you know I I grew up you know playing the piano and I, I came from a, a family that was big into music and um, junior year of high school uh, uh, the pianist for the play they were doing you're a good man charlie brown got sick and my english teacher came to me that day and said hey you got to do me a huge favor you got to come in, in the pit and play the piano and it was like oh my god i was you know regretting agreeing to it and i'm going down what am i doing and then i'm playing and i'm watching looking on stage and i'm going oh my god this is fantastic you know i'm going out for the play next year <laughs> you know, i found it just moving in a wonderful world and um and then I did, you know, 
theater in college. And that's what, you know, brought me to New York. Were you a theater major or were you majoring in something else and I was doing theater a, on the side? I was an English and music major. And um, I was just saying to Peter that uh, between sophomore and junior year, uh, I was in New York studying and I got cast in a Broadway show. Tommy Toon gave me my first job in the Best Little House in Texas. And um, it was like on a Thursday, he called and said, would you like to do the play? And I was like, what? Like where? He was like, no, here in New York. And he had me come see the show that night. And uh, I went in on Monday, um, you know, learned the dance numbers, you know, uh, whatever dialogue I had. And then slowly I worked in the, you know, the vocals. Um, and so I, I did that for a year. And I so I went to the NYU during the day and did the show at night. It was a great way to start in New York. And now you also um, did a couple episodes on In the Heat of the Night. You know, that was the very first thing. My wife uh, is an actress, Mary Page Keller, and she was cast in a um, sitcom called Duet that brought us out from New York. And I didn't know anyone. And also we had met on a soap opera, but in the theater world, you... I, there's always work. There's always something to be doing because I think it, you know, when once directors know you or writers know you, but, and I came out here and I knew no one. Um, so we had a rental car and I was dropping her off at Paramount where they shot every morning going, what am I going to do with my days? And that's how I got back into, you know, two things that I loved Taekwondo. I found an incredible um, place to train and, um, and I sang an opera at USC. So, and, to this day, those are my friends still. Uh, how did you transition, you know, even, even before that, when you were still in New York, uh, how did you go from Broadway to another world? Was that another, like, audition you know, that fell in your lap? You know, I was um, uh, doing rep theater at a place called the Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis, and the casting person was the same um, uh, person for the soap opera, Another World. And when I came back into the city, she called me and said, would you like to do a soap opera? And I was like, well, how much do you make? And she was like, well, whatever, four or five hundred, whatever it was. And I said, ah, I'm, I'm doing that now. And she was like, no, Thomas, per day. It was like, per day? I want that job, you know? So, <laughs> wow. And then the irony that um, they were screen testing five guys and they asked me to join. So I was like the sixth one. And they brought us all into this open like rehearsal room and they all sort of rehearsed in front of each other. And when it came to be my time, it was like, no, I got the blocking. And the assistant director was like, just go through it. I said, no, I got it. He was like, whatever, this guy's not getting the job. But the irony was the girl we were supposed to screen test with got sick that day. So they asked Mary, um, who was on the show, she was the ingenue of the show to stay and screen test us. Um, and, uh, you know, I can't say we hit it off. She wanted nothing to do with me, but obviously they saw, they saw, they saw, cause I, I would like watch her walk to her dressing room and there's like a typical soap opera scene where I'm picking her up. So I walked, you know, followed her to a dressing room, knocked on the door. It's like, Hey, what's it like to shoot in Brooklyn? And she just iced me, wanted nothing to do with me. And I was like, forget it. I don't even want this job. And then um, cut to years later, we're out. Um, our son is four years old. We're both out in Los Angeles and, we're at um, trying to get him into um, uh, a preschool. And 
one of the prospective parents walks over and says, I don't know if you remember me. I was the head of NBC Daytime. Let me tell you your story. And he repeated the story how they saw our chemistry and they said, that's going to be our couple for the next few years on this show. And that's how we ended up working together. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, you guys have done um, a few collaborations together, including writing as well. Um, I, I do remember a, a movie I saw a long time ago that had both of you in it was the uh, the sequel to Time Cop with uh, Jason Scott Lee. Yeah, you know, we did a we did we when we when we first came, like I said, Mary was on the, um, you know, starring the sitcom and she had a few of those in a row. And I was like, if I'm going to do this, I don't know anything about the other side of the business. And um, so I wrote like a couple of low budget action movies that ended up getting made. You know, I was very lucky. But at the agent at the time said to me, um, be on the other side of it where get a producer credit so you can learn pre-production, um, you know, post editing and attach yourself. And it was, it was like going to film school, you know? So you, you, we're shooting these like million and a half, half dollar movies. And it's like, it was phenomenal for us. We learned so much. Um, and then Mary later on, um, Mary's such an incredible actress. Uh, when uh, when our boys were older, I was out of town as an actor eight months out of the year. And, you know, doing the same type of thing. I was kind of getting bored with it. And the writing thing had taken off. I'd done a bunch of rewrites. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this could work out. I could make a living at this and be in town and go to all their basketball games. So I started doing it. And then um, about oh, 15 years, um, 15 years ago, Mary, uh, we were on a project that we were both, you know, going back and forth on. She came to a pitch and she kept interjecting the female point of view. And the, the agent was like, stop, this is how we're selling you guys from now on, you know, <laughs> as a writing couple. And we, you know, we've been doing it and we've been, we've loved it. And the irony that I go back, you know, I keep saying to Mary, like, she's always, you know, she's so picky, but she's done a few things. Like after she did a, um, a film beginners that she's so wonderful. And it was like, Oh, you got to keep acting. And she was like, you know what? I enjoy the writing too. Um, so uh, she's gone back and forth a little more than I have, but she always says, well, you're going to go back. You're going to go back. It's like, nah, I'm kind of happy with what I'm doing. And then this came along when the guys called about Cobra Kai saying they're bringing back Terry Silver. It was like, um, at first it was like, well, you know, what's, what's Terry Silver been up to for the last 30 years. And then when they, you know, mapped out their plan, it was like, Oh my God, I cannot say no to that. That sounds incredible. So uh, I jumped on it. I, I don't think this is spoiler, but how long ago did they reach out? Because, you know, we're approaching season four, obviously. And, you know, um, we understand that they had an outline for like every season. And this was the plan. And this was their idea of when to reintroduce the character again. Well, that's what I love about those guys. They, when they decide they're going to do something, they do it <laughs> and they do it so well. Um, there was rumors. I had a conversation, but then I think dates got pushed and uh, Mary and I had a deal at Warner Brothers. We were writing something for them. And then it was like um, the timing just worked out and it happened so fast. It was like in December and they said, you're going to be in Atlanta working, you know, mid January, whatever it was. And so, uh, um, it didn't give me too much time to think about it, which was kind of <laughs> So you found out that uh, Terry was coming back roughly the same time we did. Um, I don't know if you heard him or not, but Peter interviewed uh, Robert Mark Kamen. And right. he was talking about what a fantastic job you were doing. 
Okay. <laughs> you spoiled <Yeah>. it. <laughs> Wait, he's not just supposed to say I'm coming back. Actually, Robert's a, a, an amazing guy. Um, you know, we became friends on um, Karate Kid 3. And I think, you know, it's the type of thing with Karate Kid 3. I remember um, reading the script and it's like, what part would I be up for? Because it was like the old teacher and then the young, you know, the bad boy role. And it's like, I was sort of in the age wise in the middle. And uh, then I, I heard uh, uh, in retrospect how they, you know, Marty Hitt was tied up for a certain amount of time. So they brought this character on. Um, and again, it was just one of those things. Mary and I were Christmas shopping. We were going back East uh, for the holidays and I missed an audition. Um, and uh, it was the days where you had to check into your, 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 your message machine. And I was like, oh, I, I was supposed to be there by five, the latest And this. It was like 10 after five. I'm going, I'm just going to go. So uh, we drove to the casting um, person's office. And I remember Carol Jones was like, oh, it's over. But all right, you're here. And God bless her. She was like, just read the scene for me. And so I, she, she gave me pages. I looked at him for like five minutes, walked in and you know, she responded to something and then she was like, you, you know, this, do you know anything about karate? I was like, are you kidding me? This is my world, you know? And I'm sure every actor that walked in the room said the exact same thing. So she's just looking at me, <laughs> but somehow I convinced her and she said, all right, well, John Alveson is um, screen testing some guys um, on, on the Warner Brothers lot. Go and uh, you can read, read with him there if he has time. So they set up, I went in and, um, I met with John. Um, Ralph was there doing screen tests with, um, I guess they were looking for Terry Silvers. And, uh, and I read the scene with John and uh, he liked it. And he said, stick around when I'm done with the screen test, I'm gonna have you do the scene with Ralph. And I was like, what? It, this was like, you know, so foreign to me. I'd never been in a film, you know? And I was, this was like make believe world. And so when they said, um, you know, I went to walk on set. I was like, oh, I don't really know the lines. And he just took the pages away and he says, doesn't matter, just improvise. <laughs> and it was like, oh my God, really? He just gave me such freedom. And I remember um, he liked that I was this actor from New York and, um, and just let me run wild. And then when I walk on set, I see Pat Johnson, who's the fight choreographer, and we have so much in common with all the karate tournaments and everything. He's like, you got to show John, you really do this, you know? And, and then, um, there wasn't much karate for Terry's character in the original script. And then the next thing I know, it's like, I'm doing katas and I'm breaking boards. And uh, it was fantastic, you know? Uh, yeah, beating up the uh, metal dummy with the yeah, boards across exactly. it. Yeah. Um, it. It's just it's speaking in general about your experience, um, kind of an odd thing. I don't know if it makes you all that. It, I mean, it's a very unique circumstance in that um, filming the Karate Kid part three, Ralph was 27 playing 16 and you were, correct me if I'm wrong, 27 playing mid forties. Yeah, I, I was 27, 28. I, I remember us saying we were the same age and that we were playing opposite ends of the spectrum. And I'm going, I'm not, um, I'm too young to have been in Vietnam, but then it was like, just go with it. You know, I'm six, four, you can, you know, we could just, and, um, and you know what? You just commit to it. And it's like, they'll figure that out. They're going to buy this character or they aren't. And uh, like I said, it was just, um, I kept saying, is this, 
thinking, God, am I, am I pushing it? Is this going a little over the top? And I remember John Alveson saying, I want every little kid in America kicking you in the shins. You know, <laughs> it's like, you got it. I'm going to do it, you know. Um, so I really had, you know, had fun with it. And uh, God bless Robert Mark came and he, he gave me some really fun stuff. And it was crazy over the top. But, um, you know, it was sort of the tone of the movie. And it's like, you know, you got to be better than crease. And, um it sort of just was, uh, like, like I said, it was my first film experience. So uh, I just love the whole process. And then to be working with people like Pat Morita and Ralph and Marty, who were just, I was the outsider and they were just so welcoming. And it was like, okay, we can do anything. Um, but I, I also, there were just elements that like, this is meant to be. Like when I walked in after I did the, you know, Red with Ralph, um, John said, come back for a, uh, an official screen test. We're going to make a deal. And, and the morning I showed up, you know, I had hair down to my shoulders and I walk in and the, they were like, how do we keep his hair out of his face? So they, and I'm, I remember the hair lady said, let's just pull it back in a ponytail. So they did that. And then they handed me the, the you know, my costume, which was like this brand new white gi and, you know, a fake black belt. And I, I, I was like, I feel so uncomfortable in this. So I, I called Mary and uh, we were living in a little house in North Hollywood. I said, just bring me my black gi. Cause I was, you know, working out and teaching Taekwondo. Just bring me my black gi and my black belt, you know? So she ran it over. So I put it on, I walked out and set my own gi, my own belt. And I was like, okay, let's bring it on, you know? Um, so those little things that you see how it, you know, how it all happened. When I look back, it's just, uh, it's kind of crazy. You mentioned that this was your first film. How did you even um, get an audition? Because Terry Silver was a a, um, a a new addition to the script with Marty's situation. And how aware of you were uh, of the um, the previous two movies? Um, yeah, no, it was literally. I think the um, my my theater agent was like this is a show they're looking for guys that can do karate. Just why don't you go over, you know? So I think that's how they, they got me in. Cause the only thing I'd done, I'd come out and was just uh, uh, like taking all these general meetings, getting so frustrated. And I go, I want to go back to New York and just work. And, um, and I think in the heat of the night, I remember Carol O'Connor being so encouraging that it was like, okay, I'm going to stick it out here and just in LA and just figure it out. Um, and then my wife was like, you have to stay with me. <laughs> well, we weren't married at the time, but because uh, uh, she was committed, she was on her shows. Um, so it just sort of worked out. And then of course, after, uh, after Credit at Three, uh, after Credit at Three, um, you know, I sort of found my place and started working more in Los Angeles. I do remember uh, your wife from Duet. I remember watching that when I was younger um, and enjoying it. Tremendously. Yeah, she's, uh, she's such a, first of all, she's an amazing woman and she's such an incredible actress. And um, we're working together now and it's like, we're still talking to each other 37 years later. I don't know how, but I can't get rid of her. <laughs> <laughs> we're all big fans of the both of you guys, actually. So, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And I, I don't want to change the subject too much from the Karate Kid part three, but I am very curious. How did you... Um, find the experience of, of working with your wife, of writing, producing Grimm. She had a role on an episode um, and that was on air at the same time as Once Upon a Time, right? 
Um, right. Uh, she was doing a show. Uh, yeah, it, it was. We were on the air. Uh, I think that was an ABC show. We were NBC, and um, I'd written a couple of uh, features with one of the showrunners on um, uh, Grimm, and he kept saying, "You guys got to get into television," because like in the feature world. You, there's so much frustration, like you have scripts optioned and then you wait two years and it never gets made. And, you know, you have people attached and then it doesn't happen. And so he said, just uh, come on and write an episode for us. So Mary and I wrote one of the episodes and NBC was, um, you know, liked it. And they made us an offer to come on uh, full time as writers. Now, during that, um, th I think this was right after beginners. Mary had, um, shot a pilot our son was going to school back east at, at RISD and it was it shot in Boston she said ah I'll take it and I'll go um I'll see Connor and so she went back and um she shot this little pilot now we've we've worked on so many pilots I've never seen the light of day and just literally I think it was like the next day after NBC made us the offer to uh come on full-time as writers on Grimm her show got picked up uh, a show called Chasing Life which was a great experience for her. She had a lot of fun with that. Um, but she was like, what do I do? It's like, take it. I'll do the grim. You do that. And, uh, you know, uh, and that, uh, that took a, kept us busy for the next three or four years. Yeah. Um, kind of, I, I guess, go, go back to um, you know, the, the credit kid part three, you know, you mentioned uh, working with Ralph, Pat and uh, Marty. W what was your experience like with Pat, you know, on set? He was so kind so generous um, and like I said, so welcoming. Um, it just made me feel so at home, um, funny as hell offset, um, but really made it such a, a great experience. It was a great way to start, like your, your first feature, um, you know, you're doing this over the top, you know, maniacal character, but there's something that, you know, that energy that you get caught up in and they just, you know, especially um, Pat was just like, go for it. You know, he was so supportive. Um, uh, yeah, it was, like I said, he, uh, super, super great guy. Um, so I enjoyed it. And again, Ralph was just, you know, we were laughing about, you know, what are we doing? How we, how do we figure this out? How do we figure out this relationship? And then when cameras were rolling, we just went for it, but, um, we got along and then here the uh, cut to, you know, 30 years later when I walked on set, cause I hadn't seen Ralph, our, our paths hadn't crossed. Um, in all those years, just to see him on set at Cobra Kai, who's just so bizarre. We're just like looking at each other, smiling. And you know, you get this feeling that you go, oh, this was a good experience with this person. I don't remember a lot, but I remember this was a real positive thing. And that's, I walked away saying, uh, I'm happy I'm here. He has that effect on people. Yeah, great guy. <laughs> I do have to say Terry Silver is, in my experience anyway, with you know my limited movie viewing, the only villain I have ever actually heard say mwahaha. <laughs> um, so um, in particular, I mean, of course, the first scene that comes to mind is the sauna scene because that was so over the top, like snidely whiplash level. Um, what kind of direction did John Avildsen give you for that? I mean, was there ever a time that he said it's not enough? Um. He was always like pushing the boundaries and it, he was uh, like, I wasn't really sure. So, you know, but 
uh, I thought, you know, wow, this is the guy that did Rocky. Uh, I'm going to trust this guy. And a lot he would say, just vamp on that, just improvise on that, just go for this. Um, and, you know, being young and just uh, a little green and raw, you just go for it, you know. Um, and all I could think when I saw it was like, wow, if that's what's in the movie, can you imagine what the outtakes were? <laughs> you know, right? What, what were the moments that were too big that they cut, you know? <laughs> now, do you, um, do you remember what any discussions were like uh, involving um, scenes with you in a bubble bath? Uh, no, that's all Robert Mark came. He came up with, he was like, <laughs> you know, you, you want to blame somebody, you got to blame him for that one. It's like, I'm going to have you, uh, negotiating toxic waste in a bubble bath, drinking champagne in your mansion with your secretary. And that's when you're going to hire this kid. It's like, wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, can I ask for anything more? You know, <laughs> um, uh, in that instance, I think you could, you know, ask for a plot that makes sense instead of a contract with a 17 year old. But um, yeah, I suppose. But, you know, uh, well, well, yeah, there's, there's, just, there's a few plot holes in that movie that kind of bug me uh, and they have you to know do what? with Mike. And, and, absolutely. And, you yeah. know, being on the other side of it, of course, um, when you're in it, you know, and um, yeah, I think, you know, Brianna, I think you, like you approach every job, you go in and say, I'm going to do my best. Whatever it takes, I'm giving it my all. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes, you know, story points and dialogue that don't work end up not working. Or sometimes, you, you know, you rise above it and you found something that, wow, well, wasn't there. Um, but that was my job. And that's what the attitude I went in with it. And I think, uh, you know, I can walk away proud. Yeah. I, I agree. I think you nailed it. Um, and I seem to remember Siskel and Ebert agreed that you absolutely nailed it yeah they were very kind to me it was nice to see especially like i said being my first film now afterwards like for the next decade or so um what were people like did they ever approach you and talk to you about the character or were they able to kind of separate you know the actor from the character are you saying i'm like the character peter Is that oh no that? not at all i mean i <laughs> From what we hear, you're like a giant teddy bear. Uh, now, which is the acting side, the Terry Silver or that side? I don't... <laughs> That's a good question. Um, you know, uh, again, you try to mix it up. You know, I wanted to go back and do a play or sing a musical, do something completely different. Um, and I think, you know, uh, because of Karate Kid, I think a lot of the a certain type of action movies came your way. And again, you go in saying, I'm going to try to, you know, uh, elevate the genre. That's always the goal. Um, and it was work, you know, again, I always say work begets work. And, uh, uh, if you're an actor, same thing with a writer, you better be writing every day. You better be acting every day. You better be doing something. If that's what you say you do, you know, um, with the plot of, of, of the Karate Kid part three, of course, there's the over the top, there's the, the campiness. Ralph has compared it to, um, a cartoon. Um, but, Underneath that, there is a layer of like super darkness involved with, you know, two special forces men brainwashing a 16 year old. Right. So did any of that ever come up in conversation that there was this accidental darkness to this movie? Yes. And uh, 
the movie is a is a film for kids that you're going to bring in family. So um, it, it's again, it, we're not doing you know that story that you just described. We're doing a movie of this over the top bad guy that kids can hate, and you know, um, but. You know, as an actor, you say, what is that? And you go through all that process and then you go and in, in search of something to say, what can I lock onto? It's like, obviously, this guy comes from a place of, you know, and we didn't know what the backstory was. Um, that's mm-hmm. the beauty of, uh, I think, Cobra Kai. We don't know what it was. But at the time, it's like there's something driving this guy to say a billionaire who walks away to torture teenagers. There's something, you know, um, we have to get to the bottom of that. But there was something to say in his, you know, madness or whatever you want to call it. It's like, what could I lock into? And it's like, just this glee. It was just an addiction. You know, there's just this joy of what he does and he has to do it. And then you lean heavier into the devotion to, you know, um, the whole crease, you know, a, a partner from Vietnam and what you do for him. Um, so I think that's, you know, the type of thing without getting actory or, 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 or boring with that stuff because everybody has a different process. Mm-hmm. The, the scene where um, Terry Silver uh, sneaks inside Miyagi's home, um, you actually crawled up the, the chimney? Did I actually crawl up the chimney? I've done a lot of things in my career that- <laughs> I've forgotten, but um, I do not think I climbed up that chimney. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> did, did someone say I climbed up the chimney? Well, I'll go with it. I can go with it. You know. Yeah. Just, you know. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just a point where um, I think I think uh, um, Daniel, you know, burns like Brianna. Help you with the details there. Was he? He burns the application. Burns the application for the All Valley, and then we see Terry come right. down that. out of the chimney to stomp <laughs> it out. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, that, that could have been my feet. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty much doing anything. It's like, um, I forget Thomas's stunt guy. Thomas, you're going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there was it was the shoes, you know, no one else's shoes could be as shiny. Right, right. Exactly. Um, on the topic of, of Cobra Kai and backstory without getting into season four at all, of course, um, how did you react to finding out that in Vietnam, uh, Terry Silver was a sniveling coward? I loved it. I thought it was a great choice. Um, I love the mislead of three uh, in three when, you know, you think Terry Silver is the guy with the ponytail and he gets killed again. Uh, I think what, um, John, Josh, and Hayden do so well is like, they're always twisting it up. If you expect something, something else is going to happen. And that's just good writing, you know. Um, and it's the gray area. Again, what, what brought me back to say, you know, to go back after all these years, an acting role, uh, you know, would this be the one? And then when you hear it, it's like, yeah, this is, this. there's such good um, playable uh, stuff, stuff that it can be, you know, you can get into your gut um, that I really responded to. And um and that's the journey I went on with these guys and trusted them. And uh, so happy I did. Well, when was the first time you saw the show? Oh, I was a fan before uh, I ever, you know, thought I was coming on. In fact, when I watched, uh, when YouTube dropped it, I watched uh, the first two seasons and uh, I was like, oh, there's no place for, uh, for uh, Terry celebrating this. I wasn't <laughs> like that. No, honest to God, I wasn't. Um, Cause I didn't think, 
<clears throat> fit into that world. Um, but, uh, you know, I just enjoyed it. I thought it was so smart and funny and heartfelt. And, you know, I just loved Billy's character. And I thought Ralph was, was great. And the kids, how they, you know, brought in the next generation. I just was like, uh, I said, this is such a fun show. And again, when you hear, oh, they're doing a, a TV show of the Karate Kid movies. It's like, yeah, right. Let's check this out. And I was so happy and proud to watch it. What did your kids think about it, the, oh, uh, the show? Yeah. Let me tell you, when uh, th this they first offered this and, you know, there was, a, you know, any quite, you know, the things I was going through about my commitments and stuff. And my both my boys were like, Dad, you are doing this. You know, <laughs> they love the show. It's like, I don't care what else you got going on. You are doing this, you know, and they are just chomping at the bit because I didn't tell them much about um season four so they're in the dark and it's killing them you know <laughs> and all the things we've done are like they're oblivious they're they're the most anti-hollywood kids you can imagine even though growing up um in los angeles um but this one they're into you know they really can all their friends are um so that's awesome um, it, I, it, I, I was gonna say I, i know that actors have to you know maintain a certain distance from Uh, the fandom, but seeing as for the first three seasons, you were not a cast member, but a fan. Were you aware of the public outcry demanding uh, Terry Silver or Hayden's little teases here and there um, and him being such a huge fan of the character? Well, that last, the last year I kept hearing about it, you know, um, and You never know what's true. If it's going to happen, is the show going to go? And um, and and then slowly it started to build. It's like, oh no, they could bring me back. And then you know, you see season three. It's like, oh, now I'm kind of getting why they waited and uh, what a good choice that was. Yeah, they, they were definitely setting up the the, the character there. Um, now, when we with Sean I believe it was last year he mentioned I believe he was out for like an anniversary dinner one time and you happened to be there oh Sean Clayton yes um let me think uh I ran I don't know what it was exactly it was some event that uh we I think we were having dinner at a place and there was an event uh, upstairs or something and someone said oh uh guys from Karate Kid are up there and I was like what and my wife and I walked up and Um, we, I saw Sean and Marty, they were standing there and I walked up and I said, Hey, is this a karate kid reunion? And they looked at me, both of them and didn't have any idea who I was. I said, <laughs> and I'm going, wow, I must I look like hell or my, because my hair went white or I had a beard, whatever it was. And it took them a second. It's like, guys, don't make me kick your asses here. I mean, <laughs> come on. And then, of course, they gave it up, and they're both fantastic, and we had fun. Yeah, but it was uh, a social event that, seriously, um, when I first walked up, I think they were being hounded by, uh, you know, some, you know, fan coming after them, and they were right. like, walk away, dude. And I was like, oh, I'm not <laughs> away. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Sean, um, something else involving him that you were actually present for, uh, he tore an artery, wasn't it? Or he tore in some kind of internal organ yeah, um, I, filming I, I, one of the scenes. Yeah, I, I think we were doing, uh, it could have 
been the last sequence of uh, Karate Kid 3, but I remember him getting hurt or being hurt and not being able to, uh, to uh, you know, um, do any of the physical stuff. So uh, I think they had to work around that. But I, I think there was plenty of other stuff to do that we shot. And then when he could come back, they, they worked him back in. Yeah, I think there was too much, um, you know, fight choreography for him in that in that last sequence because it came down to uh, that's where Pat Morita comes in, which um, he had this amazing uh, martial artist, uh, Fumio Demura, uh-huh. who's just uh, an incredible Japanese style uh, karate guy. And so, you know, you, I do the, you know, the fight choreography with Pat and, you know, and then I got in there and this guy's trying to kill me, you know, <laughs> when it, you know, it was like, dude, man, I am so bruised. And it's like, all right, we are stepping up our game, you know? So I think they got some really good stuff. And, uh, you know, me fighting with, uh, with That's the same stuff. thing that the kids complained about filming the first one. Wasn't it? The Halloween fight was that, yeah. that Sensei Demura was actually hitting them. Uh, <laughs> Well, he's, you know, the sweetest man, but like I said, incredible martial artist, which I respect. And it just, I love, I respond to that stuff. So um, knowing that I got to work with someone like that was great. The uh, the, the fight sequence uh, with Pat, um, you know, the, the three Cobras there, uh, is it on paper uh, in the script where you kind of mock him to the wah-wah and then he does it back at the very end? You know, uh, that was an improvised moment. I just mm. was you know, horsing around and they kept that one. And, um, but then again, there's the, the genius of Pat Morita. When I'm down, he does what I did to him, you know, and it was just, it was gold, you know? Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. And we have so many moments like that in the movie that you go, we're just, again, you're, when you're in character, you're just going, it's like, you want that freedom to say, I'm going to try anything and use what works Throw out everything else. Um, especially with a Terry Silver, like there's an energy that drives him um, that really you got to work up for. And you go, okay, even in this still moments, it's like this guy could go anytime. And I sort of love that about the character. When you say, Brianna, earlier, what do you lock into? It's like more so than worried about story or plot or things like that. I've got, I got to lock into what, what could work in this world at playing this archetypal character, but still have something, you know, that I can relate to, you know, that, that human emotion I can lock into. I think one of the strengths of the, the I mean, the, the, the writers, of course, uh, the big three are geniuses, geni, whatever the plural of that is. <laughs> um, but the backstory that they wrote for Terry with him being a sniveling coward, with him having been in the POW camp, um, it, Terry Silver, as we met him in the Karate Kid 3, was an unapologetic racist. Right. And misogynist and just a general all around asshole. <laughs> but you love, uh, right? <laughs> I do. I do. I, I absolutely I love to hate Terry. Yeah, I exactly. do. Um, but I think they, you know, the, the backstory they've come up with for him actually explains why he was the way he was. I think it, well, it, it, all it I can really say well. is just wait to season four because uh, they really go for it. And uh, uh, like I said, I think you really, you have, uh, you may still hate him, but there's definitely something uh, you're going to want to watch with him. Oh, absolutely. Every second. <laughs> um, 
Now, as we get ready to wrap up, there's a few other projects uh, I'd love to, you know, just hear uh, any insights on. Um, Excessive Force, you've worked with some legendary actors, um, James Earl Jones, Tony Todd. You mentioned, uh, you know, obviously John G. Evelson directed Rocky. You also worked with Burt Young in the movie. Um, Can you tell us about that experience filming Excessive Force? Um. You know, I, I wrote the script, I handed it in, and then the agents had the idea to say, you're gonna star in this. And it's like, what, no? And then um, committing to that and going, just having great actors. And again, um, it, look, it's all a process. And at the end of the day, did it turn out like I wanted? No, not at all. Um, but, uh, you know, I had great actors like James Earl Jones and Burt Young are phenomenal. They just great human beings and so good. And I think the, it, it, what happens when you have a, a film and they, then they do that these test screenings and the action scores high, then all of a sudden we're, we're, we're reaching a lot of action and it sort of loses its meaning a little bit, but, um, and, and all the, a lot of, good, of the great character stuff gets lost. Um, so, but yes, uh, to answer your question, they were just uh, amazing, amazing people, you know. Uh, and, you know, I, I just remember James Earl Jones, who I've idolized from being a stage actor. And, uh, and he just said to me when he left, he said, you know, keep writing, just keep writing, don't stop, you know. And it was like coming from him, it just meant so much to me when he knew I was like, I'm not happy with a lot of things, but you know, it, you know, so those words of encouragement mean so much. Uh, and that's why, you know, as I've gotten older, it's just like, give back to these young writers, give back to these young actors. It's hard out there, you know, and you're going in to do your best. And it's not about being a movie star. It's about doing great work, you know, cause that that's all that matters. Um, so, you know, you know, I, especially I'm blessed that, you know, going back with this incredible cast, by the way, this young cast that they have on Cobra Kai and being able to work with these young actors and just like, hey, this is, you know, um, you know, I can share whatever uh, wisdom I've learned over the years and uh, and share work process and work ethic. And uh, I think there's something great about that, you know, um, that brings it full circle for me. On the topic of your, your acting process, is there any difference between um, inhabiting a truly fictional 100% non-existent character and say Rock Hudson less than a decade after his passing? Yeah, well, you know, when you're playing someone in real, you have a huge responsibility to say, um, to know everything about that person. And and I did at the time um, going into that. So, I mean, that's research and uh, literally finding people that knew him and, and it, it was that that was really a hard heartbreaking story. Again, I, I think it's so difficult to say you cast, you know, uh, I think it was right after Karate Kid, was like 20, 29. And it was like, uh, you know, you can play the early stages and then, you know, playing 40s and stuff with, with makeup and stuff. And then it becomes sort of funky. And then at the old age, I think you can get closer to um, some moments of truth. But um Again, it's that process. You're on that journey to learn so much about uh, this character, uh, the the life he had, the relationship. I I um, I, I believe one of the I think it, um, I don't know if it was her book or 
the book they they were using. But you know, I got to know his uh, the wife and what the relationship was like with with, with her and um, his limo driver. Um, you know, all stuff that you get those inside scoops that just are, you know, are gold and you go, how do you work that in? So you're constantly trying to work that into, into a script. And then, you know, it's a TV movie that certain things they're not going to let you do, you know, um, right. that's the process, but it's still, it's still worth it. You know, it's well, in a journey. 1990 worth it. dealing with, you know, the, the inability for him to live as he was and be who he was um, with his homosexuality. It was, something that wasn't done much in the early nineties or at all. Right. Um, in a sympathetic light anyway. So okay. I think and, you were you know, there are little things you go, uh, an on-screen kiss. Are they going to show that? I mean, and that becomes the conversation as opposed to there's, <laughs> there's, there's so much more emotion that you want to bring to the, the forefront than that. Uh, but, you know, again, like you said, it hadn't been done. It's risky. Um, but again, it's a story worth telling. Now, um, Vanessa Rubio, who plays Carmen on uh, Cobra Kai, she was in an episode of Dolly Parton's Heartstrings. You yeah, and Mary also job. wrote an episode. She did a great job. Um, yeah, we, you know, uh, that uh, on that show, it's eight episodes. Each one is based on one of her songs. <laughs> And they gave us one of her songs and Dolly was just unbelievable. You know, uh, she was fantastic. And we were like, Mary and I were like, oh, what's the mandate? What does Dolly want? And all we got back was, you know, she knows you guys have been together forever and she wants your interpretation. So it's like, let's do an epic love story. Let's just do something, you know. And uh, uh, we remember handing in the script and the executive and Dolly, they get on the phone and Dolly is like, said, I cried three times. I had to put it down. They're not changing a word of this. <laughs> it's like, God, God bless you, Dolly. You know, um, so she's an amazing woman. We've gotten to work with her since, and uh, hopefully, we'll work work with her again soon. Um, my my only, I I mean, thousands of thousands of questions to ask you. Obviously, um, when Peter first told me that we had this interview, I I kind of um, flipped out a little bit. <laughs> well you know I, I almost held off and then peter was like well let's just do a phone because it's like i think once you once you see you know season four you see the care we'll have so much more to talk about and the fans can really you know want to hear more you know we'll have the you can ask the questions they want to hear the answers to right um but i mean the, the karate kid part three and again because i am a fan i have the luxury of digging digging deeper into the darkness so to me, Terry Silver is like the most screwed up psychologically character I think I've ever encountered, um, followed closely by Mike Barnes. <laughs> um, I think those two are both completely, you know, messed up, but he's also one of my favorite villains of all time. Well, all I can say is I think you're going to um, be along for the ride on season four. And I think a lot of your questions will be answered. And I think... Uh, uh, it's an exciting journey, not just for Terry Silver, but overall, it's just, it's an epic season. I'm so proud of it. Um, and I, I really can't wait for it to drop. I, I really can't wait. And, uh, you know, I'll do more of these once it drops. So, you know, I can talk more freely about it all. And that concludes our interview with Thomas Ian Griffith. Again, I want to thank him so much for giving us the opportunity to speak to him um, pre-season four of Cobra Kai.
I still can't believe that conversation just happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ditto. I mean, when, when I reached out and he'd agreed, I'm like, what, 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 the, what just the fact what? that he <laughs> even replied, <laughs> you know, the, so yeah, that, that, oh. that is amazing. Um, I, this was off mic, but you know, I, I did ask, you know, if he just kind of came across us, uh, he just started kind of getting back into the fandom and yeah, came across our account and saw that we had done the, you know, interview with John and Josh and checked out some interviews. So, so he had known about us when, uh, when I reached out. Which is both amazing and kind of internally paralyzing at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have a way with words. Uh, that's, that sounds about right. Absolutely. Right? So, um, yeah, I, I, I think after this interview, I, I hope it holds people over, you know, until we find out when season four uh, returns, you know, he's pretty proud of the season. And I, I know everybody is. They always are. Uh, mm. Everyone we speak uh, speak to, they um, have nothing but great things to say about everybody that works on the show. So I, I know we're looking forward to it. We continue to say, like, how are they going to top that? And, and they do it. So I, I don't even think we need to ask that question anymore. No, no, because the answer always is we don't know, but they will. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, again, um, you know, some of Thomas's uh, movies are on YouTube. If you guys want to check it out, there's definitely some of my favorites. Um, uh, Also, like with them being on YouTube, there's this uh, fantastic feature where you can watch uh, watch the film in one and a half speed if you don't have a lot of time like I did. So I did some binging late last night. Uh, uh, IMDb t- uh, TV. You can watch s- some of his episodes. Um, you know, we mentioned like in the heat of the night. Uh, he was in an episode of Closer with Kira Sedgwick. You know, so um, Cold Case. He he did an episode of there. Uh, I got a screenshot of his character who kind of looks like Justin and a- Adam Sandberg. You know, the uh, Dick in the Box. <laughs> kind of looked like them a little bit. I- I'm still kind of mentally uh, rustling over here with the thought of watching movies and having every single character sound like a munchkin from the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but uh, again, I was trying to get in uh, as much research as I could, you know. So, okay. yeah, maybe you just started sooner. <laughs> well, look, this this was fast, um, you know, reaching mm-hmm. out and 36 hours. It was pretty quick and working kids you know we, we got it done right so yeah, you uh, texted me at like eight o'clock yesterday morning and said hey what you doing tomorrow night well well that was when it was confirmed so right. I, I you know i didn't want to get you excited it, uh, until it was it was confirmed so a, li- a little inside baseball there for you guys um yeah so th- that uh that's it a fantastic conversation and you guys heard him say you know uh after season four releases you know he'll come back on and we'll ask the questions you guys all want to hear uh answers i to. am super so after his last comment there i am super intrigued yeah with absolutely. where they're taking terry i really really am i mean i i've been curious ever since the mention of um um, uh, I just his, assumed he was going to be the same ridiculously over the top bad guy at seventy that it was that he was at forty. Yeah, um, I, you know, just no, I no, don't no, think I can make that assumption anymore. Right. I mean, knowing the big three and how big fans of the 
of the character they are. You know, I I have been curious ever ever since. You know how they were going to work them in, and and now we do. But now now we just got to see the final product, right? Yeah. So uh, that's good. If you're if you're listening, Big Three or Netflix or whoever makes that decision soon. Right. Smiling innocently, I have a halo above my head. I did not just do that. Yeah. Well, they, they are definitely um, still in production, and and uh, we hope to hear something soon. Absolutely. I'm so, a yeah. Uh, if you guys didn't know, and maybe this is the first time you've come across our podcast, uh, we're available everywhere. You can listen to a podcast. Obviously, you did find us here. Uh, we have 80 other interviews, um, including the creators, uh, Sholo, uh, Jacob, uh, Martin Cove, Sean Kanan, you know, so... Um, We've interviewed just about everybody on the show. Uh, there's something for everybody. And uh, every everyone we speak with, we always talk about like, you know, behind the scenes and uh, outtakes and bloopers and uh, deleted scenes. So if that's your thing, check out our, um, you know, uh, interviews. You can also go to our website, Cobra Kai Companion, companion spelled with a K, dot com. Uh, all the interviews are listed there for, for your convenience. Uh, Brianna, where can people find you if they want to give you a follow and check out some of the things that you do? I am Brianna25 on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, um, Archive of Our Own, fanfiction.net. Yep. And we are still uh, working on changing things over to the new logos. So we got some fantastic logos. Brianna did our social media one, the, the 80s uh, look there, and Mark of... Um, Mark Kerr. Oh, oh I, wasn't, I was debating whether or not to say his uh, full name. Oh, okay. Mark K. Let's be water. Yep. There you go. Mark K. That works. Uh, Let's be water. He also um, did our, uh, the neon lights, the the 3D podcast logo. So shout outs to him for that. Uh, Who's also a very big Terry Silver fan. Uh, You guys probably have seen a bunch of his posters out there uh, on the interwebs. Oh my uh, God. Yes. His photo manipulations are to die for. They're amazing. They're fantastic. Uh, Thank you guys again for your continued support and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Haven't you done enough, princess?